Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Yesterday I said, Chris, if there's one thing that we love, (laughs) it's a four-day weekend. If there's another thing that we love, it's a three-day weekend. Mm-hmm. Good afternoon, everybody. This is the Southside Beat live on DK Pittsburgh Sports on the Steelers YouTube channel. My name is Corey Chris, and next to me is Chris Halleck. You are tuned into episode five. We are one week down. One week on the Southside already. Beat. Feels appreciate, like it's gone by already. Appreciate those of you tuning in for the first time, for the fourth time, for the fifth time, any time in between. This is a new venture, of course, here on DK Pittsburgh Sports to. Proceed the Ramon Foster show, of course, every uh, weekday from four until whenever Eastern is Ramon and DK. Uh, the South Side Beat, Monday through Friday, every day, uh, three until 3.30 Eastern. Talking Steelers, breaking no. down what's going on on the South Side. And Chris, today, nothing going on the South Side. The Steelers are off until uh, Monday when they go back into practice. But for now, nice little siesta before the season starts. Absolutely. And they get back in the, you know, regular swing of things throughout the week. Today, we're going to end the week. Of course, it's a Friday. Welcome, Don. First time live. Welcome. I'm sorry, not Don. Dan. Dan. I can't. Dan chiming in first time live. I know there's some tuning in first time live. I love seeing the terrible tees. I love seeing the the moan emojis as well. That's awesome. So moan was um, in the comments yesterday. So keep an eye out for him. Yeah, sometimes Ramon Foster. Sometimes Ramon <laughs> Foster. You never know who's going to check in here on the South Side Beat. Today on a Friday, of course, towards the end of the show, it's going to get a little, you know, free for all. That's how Friday shows go. Uh, but we do have a pretty important topic, I think, Chris, to oh, yeah. address. And that's a mm-hmm. very important rookie to the Steelers defense. Yeah. Uh, you all know him. You, you all love him already. It's Joey Porter Jr. And the Steelers, obviously, we know by now, got him with the with the Chase Claypool pick. Uh, you know, in the return from the trade and, you know, he has so far looked pretty good in this preseason and the, you know, rookie minicamp OTAs, et cetera, going through Latrobe, but there's still a role for the rookie to carve out. Yeah. And the signing of Desmond King this week put a thought into my mind about that defensive backs room, because mm-hmm. now those cornerbacks are going to be able to play a little bit 
inside, outside, wherever it may be. There's some versatility within the room. Yeah. But Joey Porter Jr. to me, Chris, is a different case. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to know, obviously, those from the listeners chime in. We want to hear what your thoughts are about what Joey Porter Jr. could do in his rookie season. But yeah. Chris, I want to throw that one to you to start the show. Where does Joey Porter Jr. go as a rookie? What do you think his like safe spot is within the defense? And how does he continue to grow as an NFL defensive back? Well, the, his biggest strength is just like press man coverage on the outside. That's like honestly his strength. Um, you know, getting right up in the receiver's face, being physical, staying with them. Um, he's not the fastest guy, but he's got some, he's got good quickness. Uh, his footwork could use some improvement. Obviously that that's not, um, uncommon for, for rookies, you know, coming into the NFL, there's always some refinements that, that come with, uh, the technical side and the mechanics, uh, of playing the position, um, especially when you're trying to keep up with all of these receivers that, and there's just so many good ones in the game nowadays. Um, if I could just throw this all the way back to the combine. Um, whenever I was there, I had somebody in the organization tell me, like, give me a list pretty much of what exactly the Steelers were looking for in a cornerback in the draft and the ability, like the ability to run with and stay with receivers was top priority. Now, when you watch Joey Porter Jr., that's not necessarily his biggest you know, in terms of like the ability to run with receivers, that's not necessarily the first thing that leaps out at you. Um, I just think physical man press corner who is going to be able to slow you down off the line and use that to his advantage. And then also use his length to his advantage because he doesn't have to be as close as another cornerback because of that length, because of his long arms, because of his reach, he can afford to give a little bit of extra space and still be able to make a play on the ball. Um, so I just think it's really curious because obviously like he falls into your lap at 32. That's kind of an easy take right there. An easy pick. Mm-hmm. So how is he going to fit that? Not saying that he didn't fit exactly what the Steelers are looking for, but it wasn't necessarily the top of their priority list in terms of like what was described to me. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I'm really curious to see number one, how he translate, how his game translates to the NFL level, because he can get a little handsy at times and how, how much can he get away with how much a referee is going to let him get away with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they don't let him get away with much, how can he recover? How can he become a better cornerback whenever he can't be as handsy as he was in college? Now there's a way to do it, right? There's a way for that style to work. And I want to bring in Barber here, his comment, just hope Joey Porter jr. Will be too handsy. The thing with Joey Porter jr. Is yes. Physicality is his best trait. Yeah. And if you go back to the Buffalo game, the only home game of the preseason, he had his first professional, you could say, interception. And if you watch that play, he was able to use his size, his physicality, Mm -hmm. his hands to take the receiver off of the route. Yeah. And there is a technical way to do it from a rules perspective and from a football perspective. Right. And there is a there's a happy medium in that somewhere. And right now it's about Grady Brown coaching Joey Porter Jr. up on how to do that and play his style the right way. I will say, if there's one thing that, you know, I I did a a winners and losers piece out of training camp at Latrobe. And Joey Porter Jr. ended up on my quote-unquote losers piece. And my reasoning and rationale for that was, this was a rookie who was expected to come in and kind of have it together, so to speak, 
as a professional. That's why he was getting first round grades, why he was getting first round box, and why when he was drafted at 32, this is a player that you can look and say, how did he end up there? Right. But there were some growing pains shown in Latrobe. And I meant what I said as a quote unquote loser out of training camp, because he was showing those growing pains in a way that I didn't really expect Joey Porter Jr. to struggle in tackling drills like I saw him do. I didn't expect Joey Porter Jr. to get, so to speak, beat by George Pickens as often as he did. I thought there would be a little bit more of a closer competition between those two. And credit Mike Tomlin, credit Terrell Austin. Well, hold on. Let me let me explain this, okay? Let me ex- <laughs> yeah. no, 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 let me explain this, okay? Credit Mike Tomlin, credit Terrell Austin. Yeah. For giving Joey Porter Jr., Joey uh, George Pickens, I almost said jo- Joey Pickens, George Pickens, <laughs> to kind of sharpen the sword, so to speak, to borrow a Tomlinism in training camp. I think that's great for both of those players. Yeah. However, I thought based on Joey Jr.'s makeup, on his press ability, that he would win some more of those one-on-ones over Pickens. And I get it. Pickens is a year ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Pickens is a little more developed. I understand that. But I thought Joey Porter Jr. He absolutely <laughs> is. But Joey Porter Jr. is a good athlete too. Yeah, he is. He, he's a good yeah. athlete too. So I thought he was going to be. Maybe that's just based on my own expectations. I thought Joey Porter Jr. was going to be able to hold hold his own a little bit more in training camp. Yeah. But there are still some encouraging signs coming out of what he was able to show. And then of course he gets the interception in the preseason. Some of that stuff is exactly what he's going to be able to do. And I love having him as a just tailor-made outside cornerback that's going to play on the line of scrimmage. Um, the the issues at training camp with George Pickens beating him a little bit more often than he probably should uh, does not concern me whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, George Pickens is a freak. I mean, he's just he's an absolute freak. And I really think that Pickens can make just about any corner in this league. I, I, and I don't say that hyperbole. I really mean it. He can make just about any cornerback in this league look absolutely ridiculous. I mean, here's they, your comment right here. Big Maid yeah, right here. I'm not mean, a person on earth who could lock down George Pickens. I, I, I understand I'm, that. And so and that's why like that stuff and, and Mark uh, brought up a, a good, a good question or a good comment earlier. He also brought up a good question. I want to want to address Um saying something about where was it i can't i can't remember my brain's all over the place today my my brain is filled with ragweed pollen everywhere so chris Um, so chris got the allergy bug today yeah i'm just getting over it i know five people in my life right now chris that are just (laughs) dealing with the sinus the nasal the changing of seasons you're dealing with ragweed in texas yeah i'm dealing with it's 55 degrees at one hour and then it's 80 by 5 p.m. So, so Mark brings up the, through it. Mark brings up the, the a really good point here. Looking at the preseason tape, QBs didn't throw his way off and he was blanketing his assignments. And there is, I mean, from be- going back and watching the tape, he was doing a really good job of making sure it's kind of the same thing that happened at Penn State. Like there's not too much to take away from his last year at Penn State because quarterbacks just didn't want to throw that way. Now, I don't think it was as much game plan oriented because you don't get a lot of game planning per se in the preseason teams are usually really self. Everything's focused in on themselves. They're trying to figure out how they can get from 90 down to 53. It's not just Mm -hmm. about, and that's why when we talk about, Oh, Kenny looked amazing in preseason. It's that's why we don't just say, okay, he's about to be the best quarterback in the league because 
when you play the Buffalo number one defense, you're playing the Buffalo number one defense. Yes, but they aren't necessarily game planning to stop Kenny Pickett. They're sure. trying to just get ready for the season. So there is a difference. If you were to play Buffalo in the playoffs and that's the number one defense, it'd be different. Um, really good question here by Mark as well that, that I want to bring up. Am I wrong to think that this coaching staff doesn't think JPJ is ready for to make the next level just yet? We signed a lot of quality veterans. And I would answer that by saying they it just gives depth and a bit of an insurance policy just in case there are rookie year struggles. You don't want to necessarily throw him out there to the wolves. And if there are struggles, you're going to pay the price for it. Uh, and unfortunately, those, that price will come in the form of really big plays. And if the Steelers are trying to prevent anything on defense this year, it's stopping the big play. I think they've mm-hmm. been very clear about that throughout the entire offseason. The moves that they've made have zeroed in on addressing that problem. And if you left a rookie out to the Wolves, I don't care if he was a first rounder, second rounder, whatever he is. If you throw him out to the Wolves, if he grabs the job, you know, by if he grabs it by the horns and he says, no, I can lock down anybody. Yeah. Awesome. If he doesn't and he struggles, guess what? You have Patrick Peterson. You have Desmond King. You have Levi Wallace. You have options that can go out there and get the job done too. Uh, good point here from AJ uh, in the YouTube comments. Remember, those that are listening on playback, if you can at 3 p.m., we're taking live comments, live questions. We're talking Steeler football with you, not just with ourselves. So AJ brings a point about Joey Porter Jr. Angel on one shoulder, demon on the other, right? Mm. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Now, there are good qualities about Joey Porter Jr., which is why he was coveted so highly in the draft. And every draft pick, every player has his weaknesses. It's just how even TJ Watt has a weakness. Like every player, minus maybe Patrick Mahomes, like every (laughs) player has his weakness. Tom Brady didn't have weaknesses, but those are one in a million. Point is. Um, and someone else brought it up in the comments too. I don't have it in front of me about George, George Pickens sharpening again, iron yeah. sharpens eye Joey Porter Jr. It's a good test for him. It's a really good test. Yeah. And another thing that Joey Porter Jr. has for him is Patrick Peterson to learn off of yeah. whether Pat P is in his 13th season in the NFL, mm-hmm. physically capable of playing at an all pro, in my opinion, hall of fame level, like oh, he has done for his career. Right. Yeah. Like he has done for his career. He's still a smart. He still is going to get into. Um, I'm laughing because Bob. That's just, so good. Bob, Bob That's just with such that. a good comment. And TJ said he's not getting a pool guy. If you missed that uh, <laughs> earlier this week, TJ Watt was on with Pat McAfee, and he's not getting a pool guy. He said he likes doing it. So yeah. those that are wishing for a new pool guy for TJ Watt, I just don't think you're going to get it. Good point. Good point here from Ryan. Joey Porter Jr., he's got the pedigree and will have growing pains, good support structure. Completely agree. That's what you can ask for if you're Joey Porter Jr. to have around you. He's got all of the tools as far as the environment is concerned. Mm -hmm. Now it's about 
applying his game that made him successful in college. And remember, he's playing Penn State. He's playing in the Big Ten. He has to guard Marvin Harrison Jr. and Chris and the Chris Olaves of the world and the Garrett yeah. Wilsons of the world. Yeah. So facing real talent, real talent. Right. So he's he's sharpened enough, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to know how much is it in in his rookie year, and then how much he goes into year two. I think the year two leap will be highly expected when we're uh, sitting here a year from now. Yeah. But for now, he's got he's got Patrick Peterson. He's got Levi Wallace to lean on. Let him do it. Yeah, that's the great thing about, again, you, you know, the theme of the week has been the options and the depth of this roster. Your floor without Joey Porter Jr. is here. Like, mm-hmm. no matter what, because of what you have with Levi Wallace and Patrick Peterson, and Desmond King, it's there. If Joey Porter Jr. does a, pulls a sauce gardener and goes absolutely ballistic in his rookie year, then the cornerback room just gets that much better. Um, I'm not predicting that's going to happen. I, I don't, you don't see very many sauce gardeners do what he did. Um, which by the way, if you haven't tried it yet, his wing sauce at Buffalo Wild Wings is actually really, really good. Um, what flavor is it? Hold on. Uh, it's like a, like a mixture of like hot, but with a little bit of barbecue in there and a little bit of sweetness. It's, it's a really good mixture of a, a bunch of different hmm. flavors. I really is like that- it. I think it's just called the sauce sauce. I don't know this about you, Chris, so I'm going to ask yeah. and tread lightly. Oh, geez. Ranch or not, blue cheese? There's a ranch, right answer. Ranch, ranch, ranch. Uh, Good Lord. Blue cheese. Okay, it's mold. It's mold. Chris. It's mold. Corey? Chris. <laughs> it's mold. Oh, I don't want to eat mold. I don't like I eating do. fung. I, so, so, okay, you like eating mold? That's fine. People you, like people who want to eat mold. With wings, like Go the ahead. way they were invented in Buffalo, New York. That's how you do it. Hot well, wings. To Hot wings, fair, flats, by the way, flats over drums. Uh, I like both. I'll eat. Both. Well, I mean, both is the answer. I like both. You eat blue cheese with wings like they were invented in Buffalo, New York. That's what you do. Uh, Joseph, let's let's yeah. transition to another football point. Uh, we'll let the uh, YouTube comments sort the blue cheese ranch debate. out. I will say I will say this, though. And, and Jack's Fleck actually brings up a really good point here. I actually usually don't dip them very often in in anything in ranch or blue cheese. I like to try the actual sauce like and the ranch or the blue cheese just drowns it out. Um, I understand if you're eating like really, really hot stuff, the ranch and the blue cheese helps like cool that off a bit. Yeah. Um, and so I will usually have ranch on the side. I usually have either onion rings or fried pickles or fries on the side. You know, it depends on where I'm eating. Um, and sometimes we'll dip the fries or the onion rings or the fried pickles in the ranch. And that will be like like the way I cool off. But the wings themselves, like 95% of the time, I'm not even dipping them. Uh, see, this is how you know I was raised the right way. This is my my father, David. <laughs> Blue cheese forever. Thanks, Dad. Love you. Um, I want to go to another football point. And I have it starred. We're doing this in real time. Production value. Love oh, this yeah. question from Joseph. Love this Sorry. question from Joseph. <laughs> Does Keanu Benton start game one? Love the question. Mm. I, I love Keanu Benton's potential with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I love that there is a pedigree. I wrote about this in rookie minicamp. I love that there is a pedigree between coach Dunbar, Carl Dunbar, the defensive line coach and the defensive line coach that was at Wisconsin and Ross Kology, who's now at Mm -hmm. Stanford. Ross Kology played for Carl Dunbar and Mike Tomlin at Minnesota in 2006, Mm -hmm. right before Mike Tomlin got to Pittsburgh. There was a lineage there. There was a reason why, T.J. Watt, Isaiah Loudermilk, Nick Herbig, 
and now Keanu Benton from Wisconsin are all on the Steelers. Not just because of the quote-unquote stylistic match that has been talked about. And Trevin, appreciate you one month uh, being a member here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, put that on there. Welcome, it's, man. Welcome. It's not just that stylistic match, but it's the coaching that comes along with it. Yeah. Keanu Benton not only had good tape, but he had good coaching. He had translatable coaching. Kolaji was the strength and conditioning coach for TJ Watt. Then he became the D-line coach. It was with Loudermilk and Benton and Herbig. So this is a match from that perspective that Mike Tomlin has talked about. And now what you get to see with Keanu Benton is I like to equate him to a lighter version, L-I-T-E, like the light beer, yeah. of Kalijah Kansi. <laughs> yeah. Of Kalijah Kansi at Pitt. Fast defensive tackle, can really move on the inside. Again, light, L-I-T-E. Can no. really move along the inside and at the same time is good in the pass rush and can mm-hmm. hold his own in the run blocking or run so, stopping. So I watched I, – I, I, you know, I didn't cover Kalijah Kansi at Pitt. I know you did, and so you obviously got an up, up and close look at him. Yeah. I didn't obviously cover Keanu Benton at Wisconsin, um, but I did get to uh, talk to him and um, uh, watch him at the Senior Bowl in Mobile. And there, like, it was there that I kind of realized, like, this dude might be good enough. I think at the time he was like a fourth round projection, and he did well enough at the Senior Bowl that he made himself a third round projection. I think I even did a mock draft. I can't remember for sure. But I want to say I did a mock draft where I had him as the Steelers' second second round pick, which is what he ended up being. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if I did that for sure or not, but I definitely was higher on him than a lot of people just from what I saw at the Senior Bowl and then going back and watching the tape that he did at Wisconsin. He's really, really impressive. Um, and watching him come in, I think whether or not he starts in game one, He's going to carve out a role for himself because we know that the the first two defensive linemen out there are going to be Cam and, and Larry O. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when they need a nose tackle, yeah, you can go Montrevious Adams, you can go Armin Watts, but I think Keanu Benton is going to get his get his his opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, he will get his opportunity, and I think that if Cam or Larry O do happen to go down with an injury or anything like that, that Benton will see an increased role as well. He will get his opportunities and will get a really, really good uh, barometer, I think pretty early on, of just what we might see from him this rookie year. Randy wants to peel back the curtain a little bit, which I like doing, quite yeah. frankly. I like I like transparency. I like peeling back the curtain. Randy asks, are you guys able to enjoy watching a Steelers game with pure enjoyment? Or are you so analytical that you're always evaluating the plays and players? Here's my answer to that. I like watching football for the chess match that it is. Mm -hmm. That's my favorite part about football. It's here's how the offense is lining up. Here's how the defense is lining up. Here's what the offense is going to do. Here's how the defense is going to react. Go. And it's that the result is that equation, right? And analytical is one thing. Yeah, I go back and look at the analyses after that, the analytics and the stats and everything. Mm-hmm. I I like to let my eyes tell me whether Kenny Pickett's having a good game, or I like my eyes to tell me that James Daniels is blocking well, or I like my eyes to tell me that Joey Porter Jr. is locking down Elijah Moore or whatever receiver it is. Yeah, I let my eyes do the talking, and I you know during a game I have a notebook in front of me and I'm writing down stuff by hand. Yeah, but when I'm home and I'm watching football, 
you know, you get to a point when you're in the business that you just kind of have a, as I say, a trained eye on the entire mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. And you kind of can't help but to watch it in that same way, whether you're yeah. working or not. Now, like a Super Bowl party, you know, I'll put 10 hot wings and blue cheese on my plate and I'll have fun. <laughs> but I'm still watching the game with that yeah. similar trained eye, so to speak. If that I think makes sense. I think once you become a sports journalist of any kind and, and, and I got my start in the business by covering baseball, not by covering football or journalists in general. Yeah, could be yeah. news too. Right. Could be but news I, too. specifically with sports journalism, if you're especially if you're a sports fan, whenever you begin to cover teams and you're going into the locker room of the clubhouse every single day and you're talking with those players and you begin talking with the manager or the coaches and you begin talking with front office executives and you get to see essentially how the sausage is made it really affects your overall fanhood of sports i'm not saying it takes it away it just it sheds the entire industry in a different light now that being said I still thoroughly enjoy even being in the press box and watching a football game. Now there's work to do. If there's a notable play that happens, or if there's a, you know, something really good happens, something really bad happens. Like I, I have to, my focus is on, is on work, but there's mm -hmm. still always that part of me that will always enjoy watching the game. But even just being a sports journalist, the, the, the teams that I'm still technically a fan of, I, I don't find myself getting nearly as invested as I used to just because of what my job has been for the last few years. And it's just, it's just the way it is. It doesn't mean I enjoy sports any less. It just means I yeah. enjoy it differently. It's, it's, it's this field in general, not sports, notwithstanding. Ooh. I can't, I can't watch TV news without critiquing it. And Pittsburgh is a fantastic TV market. There yeah. are absolutely wonderful journalists, wonderful videographers, wonderful producers and directors and writers across all stations in this market. And it's not just the Pittsburgh market. I can't watch a TV news program without critiquing it. That's just me. It's yeah. me being anal about the shots and the writing and the cuts and all of that other stuff. And the, and the I'll go into the structure of the show. Yeah. I'll go into the A block and the B block and the kicker block and the sports block and the weather. I'll go into all of it. Yeah. So it's not just sports. Believe me, it is within the entire just field of media and journalism. Robert asked, who is your favorite interview? Now, does this have I, to be Steelers? See, I'm going to give a Steelers. I'm going to okay. give a Steelers and I'm going to give a non Steelers okay. for mine. My favorite Steelers interview is yeah. Mason Cole. Is Mason Cole. Mason Cole to me, he gets it. He's a genuine hearted human and mm -hmm. gives genuinely hearted answers. For sure. Mason Cole is a guy that will breach the subject of football into real life if you need him to, or if he needs to, or if he he feels the need to. Yeah. Mason Cole to me has been this is just from a, a journalist perspective, is a consummate professional when it comes to at least dealing with media. My favorite non-Steeler interview, and I'm going back to my minor league baseball roots with this, yeah. is current Cleveland Guardians pitcher Tristan McKenzie. Mm -hmm. I will never forget this in my life, for as long, at least for as long as I do this job. This was in, in low A, and this kid's 18 years old. He was a second-round pick. Mm -hmm. He's one of the top prospects in the Cleveland organization. He was just coming off his first professional start, and... We're on the field waiting. In minor league baseball, it's a little different. We're on the field waiting for players to start heading back to the clubhouse. 
And I pull Tristan aside and go, hey, Tristan, you got a sec because I want to talk to him. He goes, yeah, give me one second. He runs over to a garbage can that's about 25 feet away. And he spits his wad of gum out into the <laughs> trash can. Whereas, you know, Chris, you know, baseball players will yeah. just throw, you know, seeds, Anything. tobacco, yeah. whatever it is, just throw it over their shoulder. <laughs> he walked over out of his way to the garbage can, threw the gum in the garbage can, walked over to me and gave me, you know, seven minutes. And again, we talk about spin rates of sliders and what he wants to do with his real life if he wasn't playing baseball. The yeah. answer was astronomy, by the way. Nice. Really smart kid. <clears throat> nice. But just that courtesy. I love that. And every time I've talked to Tristan, he's been amazing. So um, shout out to him. Really cool kid. Uh, my favorite uh, Steelers interview was has been so far uh, Deontay Johnson. Um, specifically, I'll point it back to one interview was shortly after shortly after that um, the reported scuffle between uh, Deontay and Mitch Trubisky uh, during the ha- during halftime of the Jets game last year. Um, he was as about as transparent as I've ever had an athlete be with me on the record. Um, I've had off- athletes, you know, be pretty transparent with me off the record you know you can't report that stuff but on the record he was still it was kind of surprising with some of the things that he told me um because usually guys are a little bit more guarded especially when it comes to a situation in which they could be possibly painted in a bad light and he's just Deontay's just an honest dude and and that's one thing that i really really love about him um in, in terms of ha- like ha- when you have players like that that you can pretty much go to i need a truthful answer Deontay is a guy, a guy to go to. Um, and, and I thought that was really cool. Uh, favorite non-Steelers interview still to this day. And it's my favorite article I've ever written was I uh, interviewed. He plays for the Yankees now, I believe. Uh, but former Rangers catcher Jose Trevino mm-hmm. uh, hit a walk-off on Father's Day uh, the week that he became a father. Um, and um, I got to talk to him about that. And he told me his entire story about how his dad, you know, you know, brought him up and how his dad was his inspiration for everything. Uh, and just that entire story and everything like that. It was just, it was a really, really awesome takeout mm-hmm. that I got to write. Uh, it was a father's day feature on, uh, on sports illustrated. That's what I was writing for at the time. Awesome. And um, it was, it was awesome, man. It was, it was just, it was really, really, it was a very rewarding process. And uh, the story ended up being really, really cool. Uh, my favorite singular, awesome. my favorite singular Steeler interview is James Daniels because <laughs> he is, well, he is from Warren, Ohio. I am from Brookfield, Ohio. So right down the road, Trumbull County boys, we can talk mm-hmm. about Trumbull County, Northeast Ohio football, Youngstown football, Youngstown happenings, stuff back home. It's great. Steeler Girl 808, uh, she's in Maui. Want to wish nothing but the best. All the health, hollow. all safety Man. to ev- everybody that's being affected in Hawaii. Uh, with the, with the fires yes, and absolutely. praying for everybody, hoping everything works out. Absolutely, and it's it's a situation I I can't personally just relate to, but I can sympathize and you know we can send best wishes. All right, Corey, we're uh, getting near the end here. Is there a Steelers or non-Steelers take you want to end the show with? Uh, the ACC is officially adding those three schools, <laughs> and uh, with the ACC stuff. I'm I'm paraphrasing what the commissioner Jim Phillips said today. Um, that they tried to get, you know, they were basically on the forefront and they were getting ahead of things. No, they weren't. They added the scraps of the PAC 12 and Southern Methodists. Like, let's not fake that here. So there's my final thought of the day on a three day weekend. We will be back Tuesday Tuesday. as a reminder, no show Monday. We'll be back Tuesday. Chris, your final thought before we get out of here. Uh, next week, 
it becomes real, man. Like uh, mm-hmm. we got we got the schedule from the Steelers today. Practice schedule. Their you know locker room availability Monday, Tomlin Tuesday. Practice on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's it's it, like I understand like kickoff doesn't happen until a week from Sunday, but just the beginning of that week to me that's like the real start of football season because mm-hmm. that's like at least for us on on our side of things that is when things really begin. Just so stoked about it, man! Football's finally back. Uh, you know we'll come back from Labor Day. Uh, you know I, I'll I'll be refreshed. I'm you know gonna t- you know take the uh, the wife and kids up to uh, up to the lake up in Oklahoma. There you go. There you uh, go. You know for a few hours on Sunday and just enjoy some time. And uh, man, I'm stoked. You know I'm gonna come back refreshed. We're gonna do this podcast every single day. Stoked about it, man. I'm, I'm so excited for the football season. Let's get rid of our allergies too in the process. He's Chris. No I'm joke. Corey. He's Chris. <laughs> I'm Corey. DK and Ramon in 30 minutes. 30 on minutes. The Ramon Foster show. We will be back Tuesday right here on the South Side Beat. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Peace.